Hello, 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 everybody. This is Keenan. If you follow me on Twitter, which I'm going to be posting this on, my Twitter is at play underscore is underscore work. That is my Twitter. Um, a lot of you guys do follow me, so I'm releasing this for you guys. And I just want to clear up some things that I've recently seen on Twitter about China in Africa. Um, so this is my first podcast episode. I said I was going to do this a while ago, but uh, school came up finals and graduating in uh, two weeks. So I kind of had to push this back. But I did want to originally do this episode, and I was doing this episode in response to COVID-19 and uh, China's response to Africans in China um, and how African governments are really just, just lacking. Um, but I decided to change the topic of this specific um, episode to be about China, not just responding to COVID-19, even though we know, I'm sure, based off the evidence that I've seen, that they're the cause, voluntarily or involuntarily, doesn't really matter. It came from them, they try to cover it up, and yeah. All we know they try to cover it up. I don't know if it came from a lab, as some people are saying. I don't know if it came from a bat. I don't know. I don't prescribe to conspiracy theories, but I know they try to cover it up. So, whatever's going on right now in Africa. So first, let's talk about China. So, China, for a long time, a long time, going back at least 3,000 years ago, was the main, and this is according to Western Western philosophers and Western historians, so this is where we're coming from, because I never prescribed to just one world view. So, you know, I was educated here in America, um... You know, I'm going based off of what I've learned in school, what I've learned in college. And uh, if you want, if anybody wants to agree or disagree with me, you guys can definitely let me know what you guys know. But I'm going based off of scholarly work. So China, for a long time, going back at least 3,000 years ago, was the main was the main port, I would say. China had goods that the rest of the world wanted. So they had tea, they had silk. They had a lot of things the rest of the world won. However, China, for a long time, had been an isolationist-type country. So you have a lot of these countries, especially uh, the Ottoman Empire, which is now Turkey, trying to get into China. And you see these trade routes essentially being built to get into China and trade with China to get their hands on these goods that the Chinese had. But the Chinese weren't really willing to trade. So you see a lot of these wars come up, and as Europe gets past the Dark Ages, you see them doing the same thing. Um, you have the Dutch East India Trading Company. They couldn't get their hands into China, so they said, okay, what are we going to do? So they decided to go to India. And you see India become a colony that way. Um, they, they use India as a way to get into China. Um, India had, uh, I believe, copper that they wanted from China. And so they were like, okay, we really don't need to go to China anymore. We'll stick here and just subjugate these people. But you see Portugal, they were trying to get into China. So a guy by the name of Christopher Colombo, we call him now Christopher Columbus, basically sails around the world looking. He says he's looking for India. He was actually looking for China. And so he thinks he found, he was like, well, I think I found India. And he ends up here in the quote-unquote Western world or the New World and uh, starts on a genocidal rampage. And lo and behold, he was wrong. He was somewhere else entirely. And that's what really creates the quote-unquote 
new world. So that's where the United States comes from. So the United States is essentially a byproduct of trying to get into China, which is actually really interesting. And the Portuguese did the same thing. Try, uh, well, the Portuguese learned the slave trade from the Arabs who had already been in Africa for, I want to say, about maybe 600, 600 to 1,000 years by that time. Um, so Africa's really already on the downturn at this point. Um, not even to mention that there weren't any advanced weaponry, which the Europeans had, such as gunpowder which lo and behold, they got from China as well by way of Italy. And so, you know, like I said, by way of Italy, so you have guys like Marco Polo and these guys who are revered for really just getting their hands into China. However, China failed in the coming centuries. China failed to adapt. You know, the rest of the world was getting out of the mercantilist trading system and China was still operating that way. And they really looked down on traders during that time, especially coming from England. England won the tea. England won a lot of things China had. So they manipulated, basically they used China's weaknesses against China. China didn't want to really open up to the outside world. Um, so they really pushed opium. You see the opium war start to really just Force China to open up because while China stayed lackadaisical for all these years, you see Vietnam, China and Vietnam had gotten war for a long time. You see France come in and take Vietnam from underneath China while they were getting lazy. Um, and you, we can even talk about other colonies. France, uh, Indonesia gets taken by the West. So China is really getting isolated at this point. And by the time the opium war started, China's already on the downturn. Uh, they fight with England, England beats them, and the England forces them to pay reparations. And the reparations we see is essentially the um, territory of Hong Kong, where they actually owned Hong Kong for, I believe, uh, I don't know the exact number, I'm going to have to proof check, but don't, don't fact check, actually do fact check me, but I believe it's around 90 years. Um, so China, they call this period really the period of like shame. And so, you know, by this time, all Chinese former subjugated colonies, Vietnam, Indonesia, um, Japan, have a bone to pick. So Japan comes in, and this is the China that recently got out of the opium wars. They, don't, they no longer have an empire. They're trying to make something of themselves in this new free market world. Um, and Japan comes in and just really starts subjugating them. Um, not even to mention, uh, you have Korea and all these other places um, that really just don't mess mess around with China like that. And uh, like I said, Japan comes in and really just commits a lot of atrocities against China. Japan had for a long time hated China uh, because of what China had did to them. A lot of Japanese people won't admit this, but China for a long time were the main abusers of the Japanese. And so the Japanese really came back hard all, a lot of the time in history. But you see major atrocities being committed against the Chinese in the early 20th century. And by this point, China, you know, they, they're looking for something. So obviously, like most poor countries, you're looking at a way for the common man to really rise up. Um, and people are attracted to Karl Marx and communism by way of Russia, yada, yada, yada. I think we already know how that goes. So China, they have a revolutionary leader, Mao Zedong. 
And so Mao Zedong really revolutionizes China. A lot of people die under his regime, where he essentially has everybody in that country working to create a, how would I say, industrial juggernaut. Um, this is where China gets the bad reputation of, you know, all these quote-unquote carbon emissions. This is where they start really just pouring everything into the industrial industry, which causes a drought and a famine. A lot of people die. Um, really just not good stuff going on. Um, but for them, it's worth it at the end of the day because there's no more individualism. They believe individualism is a curse from the West. And during this time, when Mao Zedong rises, he's wanting to get rid of any Western sympathizers, people who have linkages to England, uh, United States, France, all these different countries. So this is where you see the creation of Taiwan. Um, people who had sympathies with the West fleeing and wanting to create their own country so they can think for themselves, so they can have some sort of individualism and they won't be ruled under a dictatorship. Um, at least that's the way they're seeing it. And the West capitalizes on this because they see what's going on and they don't want the West is just coming out of World War II. It's the United States especially, they don't want China to fall to communism and a Soviet Russia. So they are seeing Taiwan as somewhat of a vassal state. So like, yeah, we can keep our we can keep our eyes on China this way, make sure that they don't link up with Russia, which they eventually do anyways, and hopefully they don't influence what's going on in Vietnam. And uh, it's really stupid on uh, the West part, because Vietnam and China have never gotten along anyways. So that's their fear, and also they're fearing for Korea as well. They're fearing, okay, maybe they'll influence Korea, and a lot of craziness is going on at this point, you know. There's a lot of a little military skirmishes that happen at this time. Um, but China still perseveres and they move past the Mao Zedong dies. We go into the late 20, 20th century, um, obviously Tiananmen Square. So China, the mentality is that the West, individualism is bad. That's the mentality in that the West is inherent. I wouldn't say evil. There's... It's very anti-individualism, very a strict Marxist thought process, um, much like Soviet Russia at the time, except Soviet Russia was able to back it up with hard power. Soviet Russia has a, had a lot of hard power, um, even though they had one of the most advanced um, intelligence agencies at the time, they're still not able to influence um the rest of Europe, the way they want to. Um, they're able to influence smaller countries, underdeveloped countries. Uh, you see Russia going into Africa during this time. Same thing with China. China's also going into Africa during this time to influence countries to kind of flip over into um, a more Marxist slash communist way of thinking. Uh, they go into Angola. They go into a lot of different countries. And the U.S. fears that. So the U.S. goes into these African countries as well. Um, but Soviet Russia really wasn't able to influence countries that for a long, for a long time at this point had already adjusted to quote unquote democracy and, you know, weren't really into thinking any otherwise. The best thing that Soviet Russia could do was disinformation, disinformation or misinformation campaigns to kind of rattle 
the psyche of the people in charge, also the citizens by spreading false information. But that didn't really work to that point. You know, at this point, Russia, Soviet Russia, people stopped really believing in the system. You see the rest of the world living in, and you know, when you watch TV, you see the rest of the world living pretty well. And so the people didn't really believe in the communist system anymore, and the government feared that, so obviously they have to open up. And there were a lot of different factors that also went into Soviet Russia becoming a democracy at this point. Um, but going back to, like I said, with China, China has that same mentality at that point, but when Soviet Russia opens up, China's thinking, okay, what do we have to do? We have to open up as well. So they learn from Soviet Russia, look, we, we can't just spread our influence through hard power. We can build up a vast military, but how is that going to, that's going to make it seem like more of a threat. So they seek to enhance their soft power as well. And going to the 21st century, you know, China had really changed up a lot of what they wanted, a lot of the ways they saw the world. They opened up their stock exchange again. They gave the land back to, um, farming land back to the peasants. Um, they kind of shifted away from, how would you say, um, the Marxist or the non-Chinese philosophies that influenced um, Mao and his contemporaries at the time uh, in the early to mid 20th century. So the 21st century, you see them embracing more people like Confucius and so on and so forth to really create a new China that had embraced free trade, but at the same time kept aspects of you know their Marxism slash uh, communism, or whatever the heck people want to call it. So, China is blessed with the largest labor force at this time, um, and that's and they've always had the largest labor force going back even thousands of years ago. Always, always did. Um, so, China views the United States and the rest of the world as weak. That's the mentality, and that's the way that these kids are taught. They're taught that capitalism is inherently bad because it allows for individualism and selfishness. And they plan on exploiting that. So, you know, what happened here in the United States with this whole COVID-19 thing um, and the World Health Organization, you know, a lot of people could have been bought off. You know, that's my opinion. And even going back uh, to the United States, you know, a lot of people want the United States to take their factories out of China. You know, Donald Trump talks a good game and all that, but Donald Trump is a corporatist masquerading as a populist. That's what he is at the end of the day. Um, his, all, everybody around him are corporatists, and they rely on China to create cheap goods for them, because it's cheaper. They don't want to pay Americans all that. So, even though Trump had a trade war with China, which he lost emphatically, um, because they outmaneuvered him. Um, China is using, which is, this is hilarious, China is using the capitalism of the West against the West. So they're using the greed of these corporations against, against them. What China wants to do is become the main supplier like they were thousands of years ago for the world. So everybody has to buy Chinese goods. And, uh, and that's the vision that they specifically see for Africa um, to basically 
create a place where, you know, they don't necessarily buy African goods because they don't want anything to do with that. What does that do for their economy? They want Africans to buy their goods. And um, a lot of people are talking about, well, one thing China's been good at recently is targeting nations in the in not even in the West, but the global South, um, such a derogatory term, but the global South, African countries, South American countries with quote-unquote dictatorships to essentially become places where they can sell their products. And and the dangerous thing about this isn't just sell their product. When I'm talking about products, I'm not just talking about um, goods like foods and shirts and all that. I'm talking about weapons, weaponry, armory, you know, that type of stuff, like tanks. And they gain a lot. The first of all, their weapons are extremely cheap to make, extremely cheap to make, and extremely inexpensive for the rest of the, for these other people to buy. That's the issue. So what they plan on, do, plan on doing is creating these states where they can essentially control these dictators, you know, and these dictators will stay in power for a long time because they're constantly supplying them with weapons. And not even just weapons at this point with this whole 5G thing. Okay, so let me clear up what 5G is. So 5G is essentially a more powerful way. I'm not going to go in depth. 5G is not what people keep saying it is. 5G is not some... 5G didn't start coronavirus or COVID-19. That's lunacy. I don't care anyway, so that's crazy. Um... 5G is just the next step in the evolution of computing, um, network um, network data, so on and so forth. So I don't know much. I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a tech guy. But from my research, from my classes, what they plan on doing with 5G is creating essentially a database. So the rest of these countries run off. They mostly, for the most part, use China's um, what do you call it? The biggest cell phone company in China, which is a state-owned company. I mean, pretty much everything is in that country. But Hawaii, you know, not even just that. You know, you have um, OnePlus phones, which a lot of people outside of the world use. And what they're doing is collecting meta- metadata. And so in, Ch- in China, they use this information to basically quell dissent. And not even just quell dissent, create a database on pretty much everybody. You know, and their camera network works exactly the same way. So they have a technology where not only on their on their cameras, not only do they know everything about you, know where you're going, know your opinions on certain things, they can they know who you are by your earlobes alone, which is insane. They know exactly who you are based off your earlobes. So they have a technology that keeps track, that has a database of people's earlobes. Like, think about that for a second. They know who you are based off your ears. So Will Smith can't, you know, Will Smith can't make it over there. But, you know. <laughs> but going back to these other countries, what they're trying to do is stop dissent and keep these dictators, keep their puppets in power for essentially forever. And not even just that, based off your internet search history, they're trying to decide who is, even in their own countries are doing this, who's a threat based off of what you search, you know? based off of the things that you look at. And it's not just about catching threats when it happens. It's not just about catching somebody who's going to plan a protest. It's based off your internet history. How can I determine that you're a threat before you even do anything? You know? 
So that's extremely dangerous, especially when you're talking about countries like Africa or like in South America, where people, people, you know, already struggle to meet. You know, people already struggle to form revolutions. People already struggle to get out and vote. So what China is essentially doing at this point is consolidating their power in Africa and the rest of the global South. But let's not be mistaken. China's been in Africa for a very long time past this point. So a lot of people are making it seem like China just got into Africa. That's not true. China's been in Africa since the 60s, um, contributing to a lot of these um, Marxist-inspired um, revolution revolutionaries um, essentially help, trying to help them get their freedoms. So, you know, I, I keep bringing up Angola because Angola became the hotbed of democracy versus quote-unquote communism or quote-unquote democracy versus quote-unquote communism. And, you know, China was there, you know? So China's plan for Africa, essentially, you know, they create these apartments where these Chinese people live, they create these businesses where Chinese people own, is essentially to turn Africa basically into a colony, you know? And it's sad because these African leaders, all they see is money, you know, there's no other way around it. And, you know, these African leaders aren't necessarily, aren't, aren't necessarily alone, you know. You could compare them to corporatists here in America uh, when all they see is green. But, you know, the issue is in Africa with these leaders is that, you know, I hate to be that guy, but they're just not smart. You know, you know they, it, it, it's it's a hard thing to say. They're just they're not smart. Um, they they can't see. They don't see into the future. They only see the game that's there for them at the moment. Because as soon you know, it's like what do I compare it to? It's like it's like Jacob Zuma in South Africa. Um, idiot, absolute idiot. Um, as but as soon. As they run out of their usefulness, you know, it's funny, these idiots, these diehard corporatists that are in power like Zuma turn into Pan-Africanists, where they start talking about, like, oh, you see, you see, they're out to get me, they're out to get me. Um, when it's time for them to go, when the powers to be decide, all right, you got to go. So that's the main issue in Africa. It's just, an, it's just selfishness at the end of the day. And... um. African countries are really, really out of their depth. Um, you know, and, and it, it's sad to say, but they're extremely, I, I, being modest, I'll say they're at least, at least 200 years behind a country like China or the United States, at least 200 years behind, you know, it, you still have exorbitant amounts of money. Africa's a very rich continent because of all the resources that are there. And not even just that, there's a lot of brain drain going on in Africa where educated people are leaving because there's nothing there for them. Um, however, I just lost my train of thought. However, in Africa, like I said, we're at least 200 years behind. You know, there's not even nuclear 
it's not a nuclear capability in any African country. As soon as as soon as Nelson Mandela took over in South Africa, they got rid of all those nukes. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, so, you know, the issue is that these guys really don't care. Really don't care. All they care about is money. That's really all they care about. Um, and another issue is that, you know, like I said, Africa is an extremely rich continent. It's got my train of thought back. Extremely rich continent, you know, and these leaders pocket the money. They give it away, you know. They, I mean, well, they keep it for themselves. You know, there's a huge problem. There's no, there's no funding, you know, towards public works, infrastructure, nothing like that. Even in, even in, if you want to talk about Rwanda, I could have a whole podcast on Rwanda. Um, and the type of country that it is. Uh, I won't go in depth, but, you know, Africa, a lot of countries in Africa, people still practice open defecation. A lot of people don't want to hear that, and it's it's sad to the levels of the people that have been lowered to, but you have people still practicing open defecation. There's no water system that exactly works. Most people don't even know that they live in these extremely rich countries because they're so poor. A lot of people can't read. Um, so that's the reality of what's going on, you know, and I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. I'm just telling people what it is and what's actually going on on the ground. You know, people go vacation in Africa, blah, blah, blah. I went in Africa. Like, it's all beautiful, you know. Like, everybody's always trying to say negative things about Africa. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful, I guess. But, you know, that's not stopping people from dying from diseases that are extremely avoidable. You know, if you're drinking water, that unsanitary water you're going to die of diseases that you could easily avoid, like cholera and all these other diseases. You know, a lot of avoidable issues are going on just because the leaders don't care, you know. And it's not even just... It, it, it's, the, the buck stops with who's in charge. That's what I want to say. The buck definitely stops with who's in charge. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's an issue of what's going on. I, I, have, a, I have a classmate of mine He's uh my major is actually international law. I have another classmate of mine who does this same thing, same thing. Um, and he's from Zimbabwe. And me and him have a lot of good conversations. And you know, he, <laughs> this guy blames the people on the ground. He's like, yeah, they have to, they have to rise up, they have to rise up. And I'm just like, I, I mean, I, I guess they could rise up, but you know, what do they know? Really. You know, we have to be honest. What do they know? You know, these people have these people watch the same things we watch. Like, imagine being poor as hell. You watch, you're watching Disney. You're watching Hercules. What are you gonna think? So you watch Hercules every single day, or not Hercules, but you watch shows with people who don't look like you every single day, and then you go to church on Sunday or Saturday. And you look at a picture of um, a, a, a god who doesn't look like you. A lot of serious issues are going to come up at this point, you know. Um, and unfortunately, you have a lot of people waiting to die, you know, living to die, you know, because at the end of the day, there's a better life for you out there. And China's capitalizing on this. Um, 
And like I said, that's going back, just circling back around, that's really China's plan for Africa and the rest of the quote-unquote global South. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of good criticisms that you could give China. However, they're not the only ones who are doing this. You know, the United States has obviously been China in Africa. You know, it's not just the United States has been there. Lebanon, <laughs> a lot of Lebanese. The Indians basically control, Indians control basically Kenya, um, South Africa, um, for a long time, even Uganda. Uh, so yeah, this is a mentality that African people have to get out of, that somebody is going to come and save you and you have to do it yourself. Um, but, you know, I don't mean to end on a down note. Um, if you guys have any suggestions, let me know how I can improve um, the podcast. I do want it to get a little bit more organized. I will be moving into a new apartment soon. Um, I don't know, amid all this COVID-19 chaos. Um, but I will be moving into a new apartment soon, be a little bit more stable, and hopefully um, I can get some of you guys to join me on this podcast. A lot of good people I do want to um, get on. Obviously, some of my friends, uh, some of my followers as well, people I do follow, I do want them to be featured on here. And I really just want to get this off the ground and going and just get some good knowledge out there, Um, some scholarly knowledge. You know, we have to stay away from the conspiracy theories because, you know, just know. Um, And realize that there are intellectuals out there who are willing to put the information, like I said, out there so we can learn together have a good understanding of what's going on um like i said do follow me at play is work on twitter i'll post on twitter and i had a lot of fun recording this to you guys and peace